0: Special edition of Daily Delivery. Michael Rand here. Didn't expect to be doing this on a Monday night, especially at this point in the NHL season. But I've got Sarah McClellan with me right now. A wild beat writer. Wildfire their head coach uh, today. Dean Evason out. Um, John Hines in. um, Interesting. Interesting development, Sarah, just kind of feels like I guess my my first instinct is this really escalated quickly, even though it's not terribly surprising when a team has lost seven games in a row that you would make a coaching change. But, it, you know, it felt like we just went from like, ah, they're off to a little bit of a slow start to man, this losing streak is getting a little serious to, hey, they fired Dean Evison 19 games into the season when he had had a pretty successful run, at least during the regular season here.
1: There'd even been some ebbs and flows just in this losing streak too. that, you know, it's kind of looks like the team switched gears, you know, it obviously started, um, you know, maybe some hard fought losses against the Rangers and the Sabres on that New York road trip, then the complete meltdown at home to Dallas right before Sweden. Uh, But then it looked like the team, you know, kind of reset in Sweden. There was some competitive losses, one goal losses. There was three straight one goal losses. But then, you know, the team goes to Detroit. And on Sunday, it kind of felt like a step back for them. Like progress they'd made, uh, you know, and getting kind of more competitive, cleaning up their own zone, uh, maybe kind of focusing more on the finer details that looked like it went missing on, on Sunday. And it was kind of back to square one with some of these issues, the, the untimely, costly penalties, the penalty kill, giving up, um giving up goals and just the offense just drying up at inopportune times, obviously. And so it just kind of felt like, you know, they weren't able to close that gap. They weren't finally able to turn the momentum that they had at least been building in their game. You know, not even into a win, but into another step forward. It really kind of felt that they were kind of now then stalled. And obviously, then the next day, Monday, you know, Everson is out along with Bob Woods, uh, the assistant, longtime assistant on the Wild staff. And in comes John Hines, and, and it's right behind the bench for him. The Wild plays Tuesday night at home against St. Louis. And this is actually a pretty pivotal stretch for the team. You know, as, as grim as it is right now, there is an opportunity for this team to kind of climb out of this rut and maybe make some, make up some ground in the standings. They play three in a row against the central. And obviously prying points away from, you know, your division rivals is, is a pretty easy way to start to close the gap and get up into one of those playoff positions or at least get closer. And some of the other teams they're chasing, they're playing these teams coming up. So. You know, there's still an opening here. We'll see now, obviously, if a new voice, you know, a new change in leadership is maybe the spark that kind of maybe gets them gets them back into this picture, gets them back up the standings, but maybe just helps them to regain that competitiveness that just has been missing, I think, pretty much all season long.
0: You know, after that Detroit game, I'm going to play a clip right now. Dean Evason, you know, the fired head coach, he seemed like his – he could sense that things were getting worse in that game. Let's let's run a clip here of of Everson after the game. I think the frustration is turning to, you know, anger, obviously, and, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully they're angry as as we are, and and because uh, we've got to we've got to change something. We can't just continue to be, you know, well oh, it's good effort. We outshot them. We had lots of chances. We're still losing, so we have got to find a way to win. Now he's seeing you know, the frustration is turning to anger. He, you can tell he's kind of exasperated at this point, and he's probably sensing that, hey, if if we don't turn this around soon, I mean, he could have, he might have even known at that point that his job could be in in jeopardy. So you're right. I think that game. I don't know if there was one like defining moment or you know or like straw that that you know that that broke all this, but it does feel like that that kind of step back. But it's also got to be frustrating to him because you know it it obviously is never just the head coach's fault or you know primarily the the coach's fault he just becomes the easiest person to take the blame like a lot of their players are underperforming and and how, how fair is it to say that's on Dean Evison?
1: that that's been a, i think a really big takeaway right now for the wild struggles is just the individual performances are not what we're used to seeing from this team um you know the coaching staff amid this slide before this skid, you know, they were tweaking lines. They've been tweaking lines. Um, You know, they revamped the penalty kill, which has obviously been an eyesore, not just this season, but in the past as well. Um, You know, even like, you know, trying to change the, you know, the schedule to get on the ice to try to get, you know, the poor starts were an issue early on. Like they were really trying to kind of figure out a solution obviously for this and, Then again, like you said, it really comes down to what happens on the ice and the performance so far of many of their star players and their go-to players has just not been at the level that this team is probably set the standard with based on that play. You know, Kaprizov has six goals. That is nowhere near to the pace that he'd need to even come close to matching what he, you know, totaled last season and getting to 40 um, uh, Matt Boldy hasn't scored since he returned from injury. And even, you know, those those other players around, you know, maybe the top-tier players, that secondary scoring hasn't been there either. You know, Freddie Goudreau has no goals. Um, Marcus Felino only has two. That just that that depth scoring that's really galvanized this team the last few years hasn't been there. And so I think, you know, that's probably where. The magnifying glass shifts now is just, okay, the coaches change. There's someone new. Um, but can these players really, you know, find a solution to these woes? And, um, you know, that was something Marcus Felino said, uh, in a text message after the coaching change. He yeah. said, it's on us players to get this back on track. And, you know, like I said, there is an opportunity there. The West <laughs> seems wide open. Obviously yeah. the teams at the top you know, reigning Stanley Cup champion in Vegas. We've seen firsthand in these recent games what the likes of Dallas and Colorado can do, and they look like forces for sure. But, you know, there's still some ground to be made up. And um, really, though, you know, it's going to take these players, um, you know, not only just getting production, but I think just the way that we've seen them play, it's looked off, hasn't it? Um, The way Kaprizov has played um he just hasn't looked as dominating on the puck as we're used to seeing him um you know kind of on the outside when usually he's right up the middle he's right around the net and he's scoring those goals that way by kind of weaving in and out of traffic and um we just haven't seen that obviously we we documented Boldy's rut as well he had that injury which obviously interrupted you know the momentum maybe that he might have been able to generate had he been playing consistently but these are, as what else, you know, Dean Evison pointed out on Sunday, these players are paid to score goals. They're yeah. paid, you know, a lot of money. And I think, you know, aside from the pesky long-term problems of the penalty kill and the power play, I think that the the underperformance so far of their offensive leaders has probably been you know, the biggest takeaway for their early season struggles, which I don't even know if we can still call it early season. We're past no. Thanksgiving. You yeah, know, it's like is... you're almost a quarter <laughs> of
0: the way into the season at this point, yeah. 19 games.
1: This is a persistent problem. And I think that's also really been eye-catching, is that what's plagued the Wild this season, it's been the same thing. Like It really is boiled down to – Slow starts, shaky special teams, and now this, you know, underperformance of their top players. It's not like it's been, you know, one game where this was off and next game this was off. It really has been the same issues. And I think that's probably, you know, probably added to the frustration is that they know what they need to fix, and that, that fix just hasn't arrived. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin.
0: You're right. I mean, the West does seem pretty open, at least to to get into the playoffs. You might only need mid to upper 80s maybe even just to get into the to the playoffs it doesn't seem like there's eight great teams or even eight very good teams so you're right that the opportunity is still potentially there you know but this is a team that had over 100 points each of the last two years this is a team that has largely a lot of the same players Now you you spoke to the underperformance of a lot of these players so far and that's certainly the biggest culprit i would say and, and maybe some of them are tuning out evison after a few years behind the bench and you know successful years as they might have been the, the message does start to wear thin i'm sure at some points but you know when we start to talk about the other reasons like they've they've lost you know even if they haven't lost a ton of players like is this the cumulative like drip 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 of you know you lose matt Dumba, but you, you have to trade kevin fiala because of of cap stuff you can't add more players because you, you're kind of up against it because of the Suter and parisi buyouts because of other decisions you kind of keep the roster intact. Garen, you know, Bill Garen, GM, you know, re you know, signs Zuccarello, Hartman, and Felina to extensions right before the year. So you kind of got that core stability, but you've also kind of got this core that maybe is getting a little stale. There's not this kind of new blood in there. Like, what I guess, how much, how much do we attribute this to just overachieving a little bit in the past and now it's catching up to them? Is that, is that maybe a fair assessment to a certain degree too of what's going on here?
1: Well, the context is so important because you're right. This is a team that, you know, Dean Evason was overseeing that was missing nearly $15 million of its budget. Um, That was covering, you know, is covering the Zach Parise and Ryan Suterbios that, you know, isn't being applied to the roster. Um, So I think that's kind of been looming over everything and maybe it's the elephant in the room, but it's the reality is that this team is at a disadvantage And so, you know, still that doesn't change the organizational philosophy of trying to win and, you know, they're not in a rebuild, but the math is the math. And so you're right. I think it's even started to trickle in these last few seasons. Kevin Fiala goes, Matt Dumba doesn't return. And you're right. That was probably, you know, really the only regular player that they, that they, they didn't bring back from last season obviously there was those slew of trade deadline acquisitions but right. in terms of like bona fide solidified long-term roster players Dumbo is really the only change from last season and then obviously coming in Pat Maroon is really the only veteran off-season addition that they made to this roster and he's fitting well he's he's produced he's you know found a, a niche I think on whatever line he's kind of played on staying true to his style and, and, you know, helping out this, this team and, you know, that veteran three time Stanley cup champion mode. Um, but I think that's what's made this, this swoon and overall the struggles of the season. So baffling is it still pretty much is the same roster. So I think that goes back to then the individual performances, the penalty kills, still struggling, the power play still struggling, even though again, they had a new voice in charge of that with Jason right. King coming as in and as as an assistant in the off season, but it really is familiar problems that you know continue to cost this team. And so, you know, the buyouts aren't going away. They're going to have that same hit on their books next season. Um, so I, I really think you know, regardless, this was probably a crossroads type season for this franchise. And I think this has just amplified that with the fact that they haven't at least been able to maintain the competitiveness that they had last season when they were starting to maybe feel a little bit of the pinch. Fiala was gone. Right. It looked like obviously Dumbo wouldn't be able to return. But now again, so many players in recent years had career years and they had so many 20 goal scorers and, now it's tough to see many, any players, you know, maybe besides, you know, an Eric Eck or, um, you know, Rossi's come in as a rookie, but, yeah. you know, to stay on track and at least come close to matching what they've done in the past, it really does seem like it trends down, you know, to the individual and the player performance. And I guess on if you want to look at a, the upside or the silver lining, then maybe there is a solution to be found. Maybe, right. you know, right. the reason isn't isn't lost yet if, if these players can regain that, but I, I think that's been what's been confusing aside from these familiar woes, is that the players that performed at you know such a high level these last few seasons have just, you know, kind of paled in comparison so far this season.
0: I know they didn't do any access on Monday night. There's gonna be the introduction for New head coach John Hines tomorrow. I'm sure Dean Everson, or I'm sorry, I'm sure uh, Bill Guerin will talk tomorrow. Before we get to kind of the new guy, just kind of wondering what you, th- how you think Everson will handle all this. Do you think he'll be? I'm sure he's upset to to that it that it ends this way. But how, how do you think he's? What do you think he's? What do you think he's going through his head right now?
1: I'd also heard from him in in a text message, and and he had mentioned just, you know, how thankful he was for this opportunity, Um, especially, you know, the fans he acknowledged as, as, you know, being an amazing fan base. You know, he really, I, I think, can reflect on these last few seasons at the helm of the Wild as a real feather in the cap of his coaching career. Obviously, he came in after Bruce Boudreaux was fired as an interim. He was an assistant on Boudreaux's staff. And I think he really kind of ushered in a new era of wild hockey. For so long, this team had had its bread and butter as its defense and, and kind of that trap style and eking out 3-2 wins. And I think eventually, you know, especially last season, they kind of got back to that. Right. But not before Everson really implemented this up-tempo, aggressive style. And if you think back to a few years ago, um, you know, there were some nail biting edge of the seat type wins. You remember they had a bunch of rallies. Um, yeah. they were kind of kings of the ice when they pulled the goalie. Um, uh, but really, you know, Kevin Fiala took off and, and became a 30 goal scorer. We saw so many highlight goals from Karel Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. They really had the ice and the opportunity, uh, to play that way and in the wild you know, set a franchise record a couple seasons ago in goals under Everson. And so I think it showed a new dimension of what the roster that he had at the time was capable of, what this organization could be. It wasn't just sit back and defend and try to win 2-1. It was just a new wave of hockey. And, and that really, I think, is in line with today's NHL and so much more goal scoring and the highlights and everybody wants to see those types of plays made and, I think, obviously, like we mentioned with Fiala's departure and maybe some of the roster construction, they had to find a way to be really stingy in their own end. And we saw that kind of transition back to winning games 3-2, 2-1 last season. Um, They really kind of buttoned up in their own end, and it looked like they were playing playoff-style hockey, you know, from the second half on. Obviously, it didn't didn't help them come playoff time because of those special team problems that we've noted. Um, but I think the organization really, you know, went through a, an evolution under Everson. And it'll be interesting to see now what Hines comes in and does from that. Um, you know, obviously the offense, I think, is probably going to be on the hot seat regardless because, you know, that lack of execution has really been part of this losing streak. But can they find their way back to that? Can they have that balance and depth? And um, can they put four or five goals, you know, in the net a night? Or is it a shift back to that you know kind of identity that this franchise has long had. I, I think it'll be interesting to see but for Evison, he he was part of that and he really I think um obviously the success speaks for itself in the regular season to have the best season in franchise history under his watch. Um, it'll be interesting to see what's next for him um because you know he did all that. Obviously there was a superstar in Kirill Kaprizov on this roster. Obviously he had Tremendous chemistry with Matt Zuccarello. There were talented players on those teams. They're still here. Um, But I think, obviously, the strategy and, um, you know, how he assembled this team, you know, really is a credit to him and the staff and the work that they put in through those years when the Wild was just starting to kind of maybe feel the pinch of the buyouts. They were in a new era, too, with Preze and Suter gone. There's been a lot of change over that time. But, you know, the Wild are now in a position where, this seven game slide, this obviously is is not a direction the team figured it'd be trending. Is acceptable for the team to usher in a change like this, and so that's a lot of I think Everson's fingerprints too on this organization, the level that he was able to elevate them to.
0: What do we know about Hines? He's had a couple of coaching stops. He was in Nashville. He was in New Jersey. You know, he played at he played at Boston University. So. What, what do we what do we think of of you know they obviously could have just gone the uh, gone the interim route and you know just try to kind of piece it together but um, you know he's he's a guy who just looking at his his numbers like he's been to the playoffs a few times not a lot of playoff success and if you count the if you count the qualifying round I think he's like one and you know, four and fifteen to overall in, in the in the in the playoffs counting that qualifying round like. Four, four and 15 record it doesn't seem like it's a guy that you're bringing in to say, hey, we want to get we want to get to the next level. This is kind of a guy being brought in, it seems like to kind of restore a certain level of credibility that, that they thought they had.
1: Well, he's familiar to Garen. Obviously, they both were in the Pittsburgh organization at the same time. Yeah. Heinz was coaching the American Hockey League affiliate for the Penguins while Garen um, pretty much just kind of retired as a player, was settling in first as a player development coach. And then he obviously went on to become an assistant GM uh, with the Penguins before eventually joining the Wilds. So there's there's some familiarity there. Uh, I think back to, you know. You're right, kind of like he came in, I think, at the Devils. We see now the Devils seem to kind of be on the cusp of, of maybe their breakout. They're they're getting better each and every year. And I think a lot of that foundation, um, you know, of where they're at now was probably started when Hines was there. Okay. Um, you know, they didn't make the playoffs – um, you know, a lot of those seasons that he was there, but, you know, it's the strides it's, it's, you know, like you say, kind of building an identity and probably restoring a lot of competitiveness. And then he goes on to Nashville and that I think had been a team. You think back to those central division games against the wild in recent years, um, you know, always a tough out, but, you know, maybe it kind of been looking to recalibrate a little bit since, you know, there was a lot of veterans on that team Um but again, just hadn't maybe been able to have that breakthrough performance in a number of years since their lengthy playoff run. Um, so they made the playoffs, um, you know, besides that, that qualifying round in, in the season that picked up after, after the COVID 19 interruption. Um, they made the playoffs two out of three years and last yeah. season didn't make it, which was, you know, we saw how tough that central division was, the wild avalanche and stars really battling for that top seed late into the season. So Nashville misses out. But again, you know, I, I, it's, it's a fresh voice, like you said, um, a new direction and it's, you know, it's not early in the season, but it's early enough that, you know, I think there's still time on the table to, to make up some ground. Um, but it obviously starts with this team snapping out of this funk and needing to go on a streak in the other direction and really pick up some points. And to do so in the division, I think, would be a big get for them at this point in time as well.
0: Love it that Hines coached uh, New Jersey and Nashville in the same year. Only the NHL, the guys gets fired and then just gets picked up by another team in the middle of the same season. That was the nineteen twenty season. He was both a head coach for the Devils and uh, for the Predators. And then you're right, uh, went from there and had some good years in Nashville uh, two two playoff appearances quick exits last year they didn't make the playoffs but they had 92 points i mean it's a tough it was tough last year to get in in the west maybe not as yeah. tough this year um final thought here like you know bill garen makes this move i'm sure in consult with craig leopold the owner um i think garen's had the magic touch the last few years the moves he's made this year a little bit more questionable and now you're seeing the you know, the Suda Parisi buyouts and kind of the impact of that and just kind of having to live with that. And everybody's known that. But um, I guess the question now is like, what if this doesn't work? What if this isn't the thing that turns the wild season around? You know, and it, Craig Leopold is not the kind of owner that wants to sit there and and, and miss the playoffs and, and rebuild. And even though there probably is a school of thought that says, hey, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to get a top five pick every once in a while. But that's not what they want. They want to be in the playoffs every year. That's his stated goal. What if this doesn't work? How patient do you think they'll be with Bill Guerin? How much trust do you think they still have in Bill Guerin?
1: Well, obviously, you know, he's he's at the helm and he's trying something. Uh, We saw that even a few weeks ago. He makes the trade for Zach Bogosian. He tries to address the blue line. Um, So... You know, they're trying to evolve, they're trying to improve. I get that for sure. But I think the facts are the facts. And I think that's probably what we're going to look back on, regardless of what happens. This core is locked in. Yeah. Uh, most of this roster is signed long term, especially after the extensions went out to Felino, Zuccarello, and Ryan Hartman before the season. So this is the team. Um, you know, that's not going to change. They can make, you know, I guess, I guess obviously they can make subtle differences here and there, but these players are locked in. Um, the buyouts are what the buyouts are. The math isn't going to change. And so I know they have not wanted to acknowledge that as an excuse, but it's available and it's there. And if, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, we're going to point to the nearly $15 million that they didn't have able to invest into their roster to, you know, keep the likes of a Kevin Fiala or go sign someone of that type of caliber since, you know, that's now the going rate for the, for elite players in this league. So I I think they have some context there that we have to be mindful of, Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily explain the struggles of this season. Right. And, you know, like we've said, a lot of players are underperforming. There's plenty of runway left in this season for them to adjust, but this is who the wild are. And they made a change at coach. That's a tool at Garen's disposal. He utilized it. Now what? Yeah. Do they bust with the roster more? Well, there's maybe a little opportunity there, but as we've said, this is the team. This is the core. Um, you know, I, I think again, though the big picture is important. Um, they have a very intriguing pipeline of prospects. Right. We've seen some of them this season, you know, a Damon hunt comes in and doesn't look out of place and, you know, maybe wasn't supposed to play this early into the season, but obviously, you know, injuries and the cap situation, maybe um, dictated that he arrived, you know, and, and stand in. So, I I think all of that is important to keep in mind, you know, they have these young players coming up. They're going to have a lot of money to spend in a few years, but in the meantime, this is their team. These are their restrictions and let's see what they're capable of doing. They've made the change at coach, which they've had. Yeah. As I said, as an option available, but now really, I think it's just play and see what happens. Um, You know, You've said, like you pointed out, I mean, this is an organization focused on winning. That's really been the philosophy um, for Craig Leopold's entire tenure. Yeah, as evidence with you know the comings and goings and how we've seen this roster evolve. Um, And I think you know what players and managers and coaches—they're wired that way. I don't think they're thinking about draft status, picks, and stuff. So I don't think that's going to change. But wherever the Wild finish this season, I think. The asterisks are going to be clear. This was a team that was missing a lot of money and has had to lose some very helpful players along the way. Um, But there is an opportunity down the road with the addition of their young players and some influx of cash eventually that they could really be in a position to maybe take that next step. What do they do in the meantime? I think that's going to be the big question the rest of the way this year. What do they do in the meantime to set themselves up to have the most success when they have the resources to do so.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it'll be interesting the rest of this year too. I mean, they've, like I said, they locked themselves into to Felino, Zuccarello and Hartman guys who've been productive here, but guys who perhaps could have been, you know, trade pieces if this if the season truly went off the rails and again, it's only 19 games, the season's not off the rails. It's off to a bad start. It's off to about as bad of a start as it can be when you get your coach fired. But I wonder if they'll miss that flexibility if they kind of pivot to, hey, let's kind of stockpile some resources. But you're right. That's not how players think, and that's not how that's not how Craig Leopold thinks. They want to win right now, and they've got a shot at it. They've got a new head coach, and we'll see – if anything changes and if we see a different team on the ice Tuesday when they resume play and we hear more from uh, from their new head coach. Uh, Sarah McClellan, appreciate it as always. Thanks, everybody, for checking into this special edition of the show. And uh, Sarah, we'll talk again soon.
1: Take care.